replacing passwords with continuous behavior authentication, and U.S. federal agencies just can't get IT security right. These stories coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We start today's security report with a look at technology that some security experts contend could get rid of the password as a means to authenticate users. It's known as continuous behavioral authentication, and it's seen as a less costly approach to authentication than biometrics, such as retinal and fingerprint scanning and voice recognition. Continuous behavioral authentication isn't new, but it's maturing, and now some organizations are adopting it as a substitute for passwords. Simply, continuous behavioral authentication lets your computer, mobile device, or even the websites that you visit, such as banks, to recognize common patterns on how you use them. Like fingerprints, the way one acts in typing on a keyboard or swiping across the glass interface of or even holding a smartphone is unique to each individual. Here's Brooke Sadie Charles. She's financial crime prevention strategist with IBM Security Trusteer, a provider of anti-fraud security products. So behavioral biometrics is about what a user does, not what a user knows. So these capabilities leverage cognitive machine learning to study how users interact with their banking websites. It can understand subtle mouse movements and clicks in both context and meaning while creating models with each interaction. And it gets smarter and, and more accurate with each session. Continuous behavioral authentication dissects each user's action through an entire session. Each moment, the software authenticates users by employing different parameters. Here's Kevin Donovan. He's a vice president at the behavioral biometrics firm BioCatch. He spoke with my ISMG colleague, Tom Field. So you're looking at their device, you're looking at their keystrokes, their behavior. There are roughly 500 or so different parameters that we're able to collect starting with your basic device and network information, which is nothing that's different than than what's being done today. But we start to layer additional parameters on top of that. If you think of the physical profile of the user, are they left-handed? Are they right-handed? How fast they type? Do you shake when you hold a mobile phone? We combine those physical parameters with some cognitive choices that a user makes. So cognitive choices are these intuitive responses that we make when we're online. You know, do you tab? Do you use the mouse? How well you know an application? So, So a number of those different factors. Continuous behavioral authentication analyzes the velocity and pressure of users' movements, breaking them down into small segments that the software can analyze. Take, for instance, signatures. Characteristics of a signature are distinctive for each user. Still, a skilled forger could replicate a signature that looks nearly identical to the original one. That's especially true on paper, but even on some electronic devices. But when a signature is digitally created, it's not the appearance that authenticates the user, but how the user creates the signature. The velocity of the writing, for instance. To get samples to judge authentication, users repeatedly sign their signatures so the software can recognize the patterns on how they write their name. Mohammed Shazad is an assistant professor of computer sciences at North Carolina State University and whose research has focused on behavioral authentication. The hypothesis behind all this work is that everybody has a distinct way of doing signatures. Signatures as well as gestures. So if I can do my signatures, anybody else, even if he can copy it, or the gesture that I perform on the phone, even if somebody else can do it, they will not be able to do it exactly the same way that I use. And that is our basis of the work. That is how we distinguish between people. Because of the small footprint of smartphones, Shazad says creating usable models of signatures to judge authentication are hard to do. Unlike, say, a laptop, mobile devices don't have an area where users can study their wrists. That instability means signatures created on smartphones are unreliable. 
but other patterns can be employed using the same measurement concepts as signatures, such as swiping the surface of a smartphone with two fingers in a specific direction or pitching the screen in a precise pattern. Other movements can authenticate users as well. BioCatch has created a method it calls the Invisible Challenge. Kevin Donovan explains. An invisible challenge is like any good security mechanism, there's a challenge response component to it. We do the same thing, but we are able to inject an invisible challenge. So that could be something as simple as hiding your mouse for half a second or so and capture how the user looks for that mouse. So everyone kind of has their own unique profile. The invisible challenge is really there for that next generation of attack. So as we start to see more replay style attacks and more sophisticated forms of robotic activity, we expect that that's a, a tool that would be very effective in detecting those types of attacks. When we return after this message, we'll hear about how Aetna is employing continuous behavioral authentication as a tool for its customers as a replacement for passwords to gain entry to the insurer's website. The beauty of this is it actually eliminates friction for the consumer because they don't have to remember passwords. This is the ISMG Security Report. ISMG's Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit will take place October 17th and 18th in London. Keynote address will be provided by Phil Reitinger, CEO of the Global Cyber Alliance, followed by other information security leaders discussing hot topics like ransomware, GDPR, insider threat detection, and more. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. We're back. Aetna believes, and we are one of few organizations that are moving beyond password uh, for all of our consumers to continuous behavioral authentication. That's Jim Routh. He's the Chief Information Security Officer at Insurer Aetna. Routh recently sat down with my ISMG colleague, Joan Goodchild, to discuss what's driving Aetna to adopt continuous behavioral authentication. It essentially, it uses benign behavioral attributes that are represented in a mathematical model and the actual behavior in real time is compared against those models and a risk score is generated and that risk score tells the app how much access to provide throughout the interaction of the app by the user. And the beauty of this is it actually eliminates friction for the consumer because they don't have to remember passwords. The reality is people have trouble remembering passwords. They use passwords for hundreds of websites and mobile apps. They reuse similar passwords time and time again. And that, in fact, leads to something called credential stuffing, which criminals can try out different passwords in different domains and, and get a hit, you know, two to four percent of the time. That means they take over the account. Passwords as binary authentication tools have been standard, have been universal, but are really reaching an end of life. And what's necessary is more of a continual based uh, authentication model that based on algorithms that are doing that. We can use 30 to 60 different attributes for an individual via a mobile app or a web app to calculate throughout the entire interaction whether that's the, the legitimate user matching the identity or not. And so it's a, it's a better security model, and it's actually less in terms of friction for the end user. And I think we're going to see that. We believe that, that other uh, enterprises are going to be implementing that. We certainly are next year, and, and I think we'll see more and more of that going forward. To hear the entire interview with Ralph, go to InfoRiskToday.com. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. 
U.S. federal government agencies as a whole aren't doing a very good job securing their critical information assets. Unfortunately, it's an old story, as related in a just-published report by the Government Accountability Office. GAO is the investigative arm of Congress, and it says most of the federal government's 24 major agencies continue to show weaknesses in five control areas. Access control, configuration management controls, segregation of duties, contingency planning, and an agency-wide security management. Leading the latest security review was GAO Director of Information Security Issues, Gregory Wilshison, heard here in a GAO podcast. Our work and the work of agency IGs have consistently found significant vulnerabilities in the information security programs and indeed the controls, the policies and practices employed by agencies that are intended to protect their information and information systems. It's not that the agencies aren't implementing guidance from the National Institute of Standards and Technology or programs required by the law that regulates federal IT security, the Federal Information Security Management Act. They are. However, what we're finding is that they're not effectively and consistently implementing those practices over a period of time across the entire enterprise. And so what that means, you know, some of the specifics might be, for example, that agencies have procedures to install patches on their software where known vulnerabilities exist, but we find that often agencies do not implement those patches in a timely manner. And that is really a critical vulnerability since many cyber attacks are facilitated by the lack of patches being installed on those systems. You know, it's very similar to the Equifax breach, which has been in the news recently. GAO, as well as agencies inspectors general over the years, have made hundreds of recommendations for these agencies to take corrective actions to mitigate identified vulnerabilities. These recommendations cover various different control types and, indeed, processes that should be implemented by an agency's information security program. And because we made those recommendations in prior reports, we're not making specific recommendations to the individual agencies in this report. We are making one recommendation to OMB in order to review and develop a plan for evaluating the effectiveness of a new program by the IGs to evaluate their agencies and for information security programs using the capability maturity model. Wilson sees several key takeaways from the report. One is that while agencies continue to strive to improve the security over their systems, there are new initiatives such as continuous monitoring as well as the introduction of multi-factor authentication to help protect systems until those initiatives and indeed basic fundamental information security controls are implemented on a consistent basis, information will continue to be at risk. Information security is first and foremost a management issue. Until agencies provide the sufficient resources and priority to implement the security over their systems, Wilshism says they'll continue to be subject to unauthorized access. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.